Chapter 23, verses 24 through 39. Of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. The Supervox recording is in the public domain. Verses 25 and 26. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Jerome. In different words, but to the same purport as before, he reproves the hypocrisy and dissimulation of the Pharisees, that they showed one face to men abroad, but wore another at home. He means not here that their scrupulousness respecting the cup and the platter was of any importance, but that they affect it to pass off their sanctity upon men, which is clear from his adding, but inwardly ye are full of ravening and uncleanness. Pseudo-Chrysostom, or he means that the Jews, whenever they were to enter the temple or to offer sacrifice or in any feasts, used to wash themselves, their clothes, and their vessels, but none cleansed himself from his sins. But God neither commands bodily cleanliness nor condemns the contrary. But suppose foulness of person or of vessels were offensive to God, which must become foul by being used. How much more does he not abhor foulness of conscience, which we may, if we will, keep ever pure. Hilary. He therefore is reproving those who, pursuing an ostentation of useless scrupulosity, neglected the discharge of useful morality. For it is the inside of the cup that is used. If that be foul, what profit is it to cleanse the outside? And therefore, what is needed is purity of the inner conscience, that those things which are of the body may be clean without. Pseudo-Chrysostom. This he speaks not of the cup and platter of sense, but of that of the understanding, which may be pure before God, though it have never touched water. But if it have sinned, then though the water of the whole ocean and of all its rivers have washed it, it is foul and guilty before God. Chrysostom. Note that speaking of tithes, he said, these things ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other things undone. For tithes are a kind of alms, and what wrong is it to give alms? Yet see he not to enforce a legal superstition, but he are discoursing of things clean and unclean. He does not add this, but distinguishes and shows that external purity of, of necessity follows internal, the outside of the cup and platter signifying the body, the inside the soul. Origin. This discourse instructs us that we should hasten to become righteous, not to seem so. For whoso seeks to be thought so cleanses the outside and has care of the things that are seen, but neglects the heart and the conscience. But he who seeks to cleanse that which is within, that is, the thoughts, makes by that means the things without clean also. All professors of false doctrine are cups cleansed on the outside, because of that show of religion which they affect. But within they are full of extortion and guile, hurrying men into error. The cup is a vessel for liquids, the platter for meat. Every discourse, then, of which we spiritually drink, and all speech by which we are fed are vessels for meat and drink. They who study to set forth well wrought discourse rather than such as is full of healthy meaning. Our cups cleansed without, but within full of defilement of vanity. Also the letter of the law and the prophets is a cup of spiritual drink and the platter of necessary food. The scribes and Pharisees seek to make plain the outward sense. Christ's disciples labor to exhibit the spiritual sense. Verses 27 and 28. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whitened sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful at word, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Origin. As above they are said to be full of extortion and excess, so here they are full of hypocrisy and iniquity, and are likened to dead men's bones in all uncleanness. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Justly are the bodies of the righteous said to be temples, because in the body of the righteous the soul has dominion, as God in his temple, or because God himself dwells in righteous bodies, but the bodies of sinners are called sepulchres of the dead, because the sinner's soul is dead in his body, for that cannot be deemed to be alive which does no spiritual or living act. Jerome. Sepulchres are whitened with lime without, and decorated with marble, painted in gold and various colors, but within are full of dead men's bones. Thus crooked teachers who teach one thing and do another, affect purity in their dress, and humility in their speech, but within are full of uncleanness, covetousness, and lust. Origin. For all feigned righteousness is dead, for as much as it is not done for God's sake, yea, rather, it is no righteousness at all, any more than a dead man is a man, or an actor who represents any character is the man whom he represents. There is therefore within them so much of bones and uncleanness, as are the good things that they wickedly pretend to. And they seem righteous, outwardly, not in the eyes of such as the scripture calls gods, but of such only as die like men. Gregory. But before their strict judge they cannot have the plea of ignorance. For by assuming in the eyes of men every form of sanctity, they witness against themselves that they are not ignorant how to live well. Pseudo-Chrysostom. But say, hypocrite, if it be good to be wicked, why do you not desire to seem that which you desire to be? For that it is shameful to seem, that it is more shameful to be. And what to seem is fair, that it is fair to be. Either therefore be what you seem, or seem what you are. Verses 29-31 through 31. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Jerome. By a most suitable syllogism, he proves them to be sons of murderers, while to gain good character and reputation with the people, they build the sepulchres of the prophets, whom their fathers put to death. Origin. Without just cause, he seems to utter denunciations against those who build the sepulchres of the prophets. For so far what they did was praiseworthy. How then do they deserve this woe? Chrysostom. He does not blame them for building the sepulchres, but discovers the design with which they built them, which was not to honor the slain, but to erect themselves a triumphal monument of the murderer, as fearing that, in process of time, the memory of this their audacious wickedness should perish. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Or they said within themselves, If we do good to the poor, not many see it. But then, for a moment, were it not better to raise buildings which all may see, not only now, but in all time to come? O foolish man, what boots this posthumous memory? If, where you are, you are tortured, 
and where you are not, there you are praised. While he corrects the Jews, he instructs the Christians. For had these things been spoken to the former only, they would have been spoken, but not written. But now they are spoken on their account and written on ours. When one, besides other good deeds, raises sacred buildings, it is an addition to his good works. But if without any other good works, it is a passion for worldly renown. The martyr's joy not to be honored with money, which has caused the poor to weep. The Jews, moreover, have ever been adorers of saints of former times, and condemners, yea, persecutors of the living, because they could not endure the reproaches of their own prophets. They persecuted and killed them, but afterwards the succeeding generation perceived the error of their fathers, and thus in grief at the death of innocent prophets they built up monuments of them. But they themselves in like manner persecuted and put to death the prophets of their own time, when they rebuked them for their sins. This is what is meant, and ye say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Jerome. Though they speak not this in words, they proclaim it in their actions, in ambitions, and in magnificent structures to their memory. Pseudo Chrysostom. What they thought in their heart, that they spoke by their deeds. Christ lays bare here the natural habit of all wicked men. Each readily apprehends the other's faults, but none his own. For in another's case, each man has an unperjured heart, but in his own case it is distorted. Therefore, in the cause of others, we can all easily be righteous judges. He only is the truly righteous and wise who is able to judge himself. It follows, Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Chrysostom, what kind of accusation is this, to call one the son of a murderer, who partakes not in his father's disposition? Clearly there is no guilt in being so. Wherefore this must be said in proof of their resemblance and wickedness. Pseudo Chrysostom, the character of the parents is a witness to the sons. If the father be good and the mother bad, or the reverse, the children may follow sometimes one, sometimes the other. But when both are the same, it very rarely happens that bad sons spring of good parents, or the reverse, though it be so sometimes. This is, as a man is sometimes born out of the rule of nature, having six fingers or no eyes. Origin. And in the prophetic writings, the historical sense is the body. The spiritual meaning is the soul. The sepulchres are the letter and books themselves of scripture. They then who attend only to the historical meaning honor the bodies of the prophets and set in the letter as in the sepulcher and are called Pharisees, i.e. cut off, as it were cutting off the soul of the prophets from their body. Verses 32 through 36. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Chrysostom. He had said against the scribes and Pharisees, 
that they were the children of those who killed the prophets. Now, therefore, he shows that they were like them in wickedness, and that that was false, that they said, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, he now says, fill ye up the measure of your fathers. This is not a command, but a prophecy of what is to be. Pseudo Chrysostom. He foretells that as their fathers killed the prophets, so they also should kill Christ and the apostles and other holy men. As suppose you had a quarrel with someone, you might say to your adversary, do to me what you are about to do. But you do not therein bid him do it, but show him that you are aware of his maneuvers. And in fact, they went beyond the measure of their fathers, for they put to death only men, these crucified God. But because he stooped to death of his own free choice, he does not lay on them the sin of his death, but only the death of the apostles and other holy men. Whence also he said, fill up and not fill over, for a just and merciful judge overlooks his own wrongs and only punishes those done to others. Origen, they fill up the measure of their father's sins by their not believing in Christ, and the cause of their unbelief was that they looked only to the letter and the body and would understand nothing spiritual in them. Hilary, because then they will fill up the measure of their father's purposes, therefore are they serpents and an offspring of vipers. Jerome, the same had been said by John the Baptist, wherefore as of vipers are born vipers, so of your fathers who were murderers are you born murderers. Pseudochrysostom, he calls them offspring of vipers, because the nature of vipers is such that the young burst the womb of their dam, and so come forth. And in like manner the Jews condemn their fathers, finding fault with their deeds. He says, How shall ye escape the damnation of hell? By building the tombs of the saints? But the first step of piety is to love holiness, the next to love the saints. For it is not reasonable in him to honor the righteous who despises righteousness. The saints cannot be friends to those whom God is an enemy. Shall ye be saved by a mere name, because ye seem to be among God's people? For as much as an open enemy is better than a false friend, so is he more hateful to God, who calls himself the servant of God, and does the commands of the devil. Indeed, before God, he who has resolved to kill a worm is a murderer before the deed is done, for it is the will that is the rewarder for good, or punished for evil. Deeds are evidence of the will. God then does not require deeds on his own account, that he may know how to judge, but for the sake of other men, that they may perceive that God is righteous. And God affords the opportunity of sin to the wicked, not to make them sin, but to manifest the sinner. And also to the good, he gives opportunity to show the purpose of their will. In this way, then, he gave the scribes and the Pharisees opportunity of showing their purpose. Behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Hilary, that is, the apostles who, as foretelling things to come, are prophets, as having knowledge of Christ, are wise men, as understanding the law, are scribes. Jerome. Or, as the apostle writes to the Corinthians, that there are various gifts among Christ's disciples, some prophets who foretell things to come, some wise men who know when they ought to speak, Others, scribes taught in the law, 
of whom Stephen was stoned, Paul killed, Peter crucified, and the disciples of the apostles beaten in the Acts. And they persecuted them from city to city, driving them out of Judea, that they might go to the Gentiles. Origin. Or the scribes who are sent by Christ are the scribes according to the gospel, whom the Spirit quickens and the letter does not kill, as did the letter of the law, which whoso followed ran into vain superstitions. But the simple words of the gospel are sufficient for salvation. But the scribes of the law do yet scourge the scribes of the New Testament by detracting from them in their synagogues. And the heretics also, who are spiritual Pharisees, with their tongues murder the Christians and persecute them from city to city, sometimes in the body, sometimes also in the spirit, seeking to drive them from their own city of the law, the prophets, and the gospel into another gospel, Chrysostom, than to show them that they should not do this without punishment, he holds out an unspeakable terror over them, that upon you may come all the righteous blood, Rabanus, that is, all the vengeance due for the shedding of the blood of the righteous, Jerome. Concerning the able here spoken of, there is no doubt that it is he whom his brother Cain murdered. He is proved to have been righteous, not only by this judgment of the Lord, but by the passage in Genesis, which says that his offerings were accepted by God. But we must inquire who is the Zacharias, son of Barachias, because we read of many Zacharias's that we might not mistake here it is added, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Some say that it is the Zacharias, who is the eleventh among the twelve prophets, and his father's name agrees to this. But when he was slain between the temple and the altar, scripture does not mention. But above all, in his time, there were scarce even the ruins of the temple. Others will have it to be Zacharias, the father of John. Origin. A tradition has come down to us, that there was one place in the temple in which virgins were allowed to worship God, married women being forbidden to stand there. And Mary, after the Savior's birth, going into the temple, stood to pray in this place of the virgins. And when they who knew that she had borne a son were hindering her, Zechariah said that forasmuch as she was still a virgin, she was worthy of the place of the virgins. Whereupon, as though he manifestly were contravening the law, he was slain there between the temple and the altar by the men of that generation. And thus this word of Christ is true, which he spake to those who were standing there, whom ye slew, Jerome. But as this has no scripture authority, it is as readily despised as offered. Others will have it to be that Zacharias, who was killed by Joas, king of Judah, between the temple and the altar, that is, in the court of the temple, but that Zacharias was not the son of Barachias, but of Jehoiada, the priest, but Barachias, in our own language, is interpreted blessed of the Lord, so that the righteousness of Jehoiada, the priest, is expressed by this Hebrew word. But in the gospel, which the Nazarenes use, we find written son of Jehoiada instead of son of Barachias. It should be inquired to how he says to the blood of Zacharias, since the blood of many more saints was afterward shed. This is thus explained. Abel, a keeper of sheep, was killed in the field. Zacharias, a priest, was slain in the court of the temple. The Lord therefore names these two because by these all holy martyrs are denoted. 
both of lay and priestly order, Chrysostom. Moreover, he names Abel to show that it would be out of envy that they would kill Christ and his disciples. He names Zacharias because there was a twofold resemblance in his case, the sacred place as well as the sacred person. Origin. Zacharias has interpreted the memory of God. Whosoever then hastens to obliterate the memory of God seems to those to whom he gives offense to shed the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias. For it is by the blessing of God that we retain the memory of God. Also the memory of God is slain by the wicked, when the temple of God is polluted by the lustful, and his altar defiled by the carelessness of prayers. Abel is interpreted mourning. He then who does not receive that, blessed are they that mourn, sheds the blood of Abel, that is, puts away the truth of wholesome mourning. Some also shed, as it were, the blood of the scriptures by putting aside their truth. For all scripture, if it is not understood according to its truth, is dead. Chrysostom. And to take away all excuse from them that they might not say, because you sent them to the Gentiles, thereat were we offended. He foretells that his disciples should be sent to them. And it is of their punishment that he adds, Verily I say unto you, All these things shall come upon this generation. Gloss. He means not only those there present, but the whole generation before and after. For all were one city and one body of the devil. Jerome. The rule of the scriptures is only to know two generations, one of the good, the other of bad. Of the generation of the good, it is said, the generation of the righteous shall be blessed. And of the bad, it is said, that in the present passage, generation of vipers. These then, because they did against the apostles, like things as Cain and Joaz, are described as of one generation, Chrysostom. Otherwise, because he delayed the punishment of hell, which he had threatened them with, he pronounces against them their acts of present evil, saying, All these things shall come upon this generation, Pseudo-Chrysostom, as all the good things which had been merited by all the saints in each generation since the foundation of the world were bestowed upon that last generation which received Christ, so all the evil that the wicked in every generation from the foundation of the world had deserved to suffer came upon that last generation of the Jews which rejected Christ. Or thus, as all the righteous of former saints, yea, of all the saints, could not merit that so great grace as was given to men in Christ, so the sins of all the wicked could not deserve so much evil as came upon the Jews, that they should suffer such things as these suffered from the Romans, and that in after time every generation of them to the end of the world should be cast off from God, and be made a mock by all the Gentiles. For what is there worse than to reject, and in such sort to put to death the Son coming in mercy and lowliness? Or thus, nations and states, when they sin, are not therein immediately punished by God, but he waits for many generations. But when he sees fit to destroy that state or nation, he then seems to visit upon them the sins of all former generations. And one generation suffers the accumulation of all that former generations have deserved. Thus this generation of the Jews seems to have been punished for their fathers. But in truth they suffered not for others, but on their own account. Chrysostom. For he who having seen many sinning, yet remains uncorrected, but rather does the same or worse, is obnoxious to heavier punishment.
verses 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Chrysostom. The Lord next turns to address the city, desiring to instruct his hearers thereby. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem! This repetition of the name is a mark of compassion and intense love. Jerome. By Jerusalem, he means not the stones and buildings, but the dwellers there, over whom he laments with the feeling of a father. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Foreseeing the destruction of the city and the blow it would receive from the Romans, he called to mind the blood of the saints, which had been, and should yet be, shed in it. Thou killest Isaias, who was sent unto thee, and stonest my servant Jeremias. Thou dashest out the brains of Ezekiel, by dragging him over stones. How shalt thou be saved, which wilt not suffer a physician to come nigh thee? And he said not, didst kill and stone, but killest and stonest. That is, this is a common and natural practice with thee, to kill and stone the saints. She did to the apostles the same things which she had done once to the prophets. Chrysostom. Having thus addressed her and spoken of her cruel murderers, he said, as justifying himself, How often would I have gathered thy children together, as much as to say, Notwithstanding, these thy murderers have not alienated me from thee, but I would have taken thee to me, not once or twice, but many times. The strength of his affection he shows by the comparison of a hen. Augustine. This species has the greatest affection for its brood, insomuch that when they are sick the mother sickens also. In what you will hardly find in any other animal, it will fight against the kite, protecting its young with its wings. In like manner our mother, the wisdom of God, sickened as it were in the putting on the flesh, according to that of the apostle, the weakness of God is stronger than men, protects our weakness, and resists the devil that he should not make us his prey. Origin. He calls them children of Jerusalem, just as we call each generation of citizens the sons of the preceding generation. And he says, how often, though it is well known that once only did he teach the Jews in the body, because Christ was ever present in Moses and in the prophets and in the angels, ministering to human salvation in every generation. Whosoever shall not have been gathered in by him shall be judged, as though he had refused to be gathered in. Rabanus. Let heretics then cease to assign to Christ a beginning from the virgin. Let them leave off to preach one God of the law and another of the prophets. Augustine. Where is that omnipotence? By the which he did whatsoever pleased him, both in heaven and on earth. If he would have gathered the children of Jerusalem, and did not. Was it not that she would not that her children should be gathered by him, and yet he did, notwithstanding, gather those of her children whom he would. Chrysostom. Then he threatens the punishment of which they were ever in fear, to wit, the overthrow of the city and temple, saying, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Pseudo-Chrysostom. As the body, when the spirit departs, first becomes cold and then decays and decomposes, so also your temple, 
when God's spirit shall have withdrawn, shall be first filled with strife and anarchy, and after shall come to ruin. Origin. In like manner to all such as would not be gathered under his wings, Christ speaks this thereat. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, i.e. your soul and body. But if any one of you will not be gathered under the wings of Christ, from the very time when he shall have refused to be so gathered, by a mental rather than a bodily act, he shall no more see the beauty of the word, till, repenting of his evil purpose, he shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And the word of the Lord then comes with a blessing upon a man's heart. When one is turned to God, Jerome, I say unto you, ye shall not see me, etc. That is to say, unless ye shall do penance, and shall confess that I am he of whom the prophets have spoken, the Son of the Almighty Father, ye shall not see my face. Thus the Jews have a time allotted for their repentance. Let them confess him blessed who cometh in the name of the Lord, and they shall then behold Christ's face. Chrysostom. Otherwise in this he covertly alludes to his second coming, when surely they shall worship him. Henceforth means from the time of his crucifixion. End of chapter 23